Okay, big smile here. Uh, so anyway, you know, it's interesting because I was telling Jason ahead of time that uh, we work really hard to try to make these Sunday services um, pretty. And uh, we got guys working and trying to make it really well. And one of the things the Lord's been speaking to me is like Sunday morning gatherings are supposed to lose some significance right now because it's really about seven days a week. It's really about the family unit. It's really about two and three coming into agreement. As much as we want this to go smoothly, it's really not what God's on right now. And uh, that's a really important part because we all want to get back to normal. And the Lord say, no. <laughs> what you were in is not normal Christianity. He wants to shift our thinking and change our priorities. Like, this is a reset time. And one of my greatest fears, and I'm really urgent in my heart about this, is that we don't learn the lessons that God's wanting us to learn. Even though the enemy is the one that comes with the coronavirus, God wants to change that for our good. And he's wanting us to recalibrate our ambitions, our goals, our lifestyles, our marriages, our family unit, how we do prayer, how we read the Bible, how we do finances. I mean, that's, that's what this time's about right now. And my greatest concern is that I don't learn the lessons that the Lord is wanting me to learn in this hour, that I don't get purified, that my heart doesn't turn towards the Lord 100 and 200 percent right now. And, uh, and so we have this disruption going on, even in our trying to do a Sunday morning service. It's like to me, I'm saying, yep, yep, God's still keeping us in this disruption. He wants us to learn. The world is at its worst right now. I mean, things are just like crazy across the planet. All kinds of famine, economic collapse. We got all this uncertainty in front of us. And when the world is at its worst, the church needs to be at its best. The world needs us right now. And uh, needs us to be filled with hope, filled with joy, and heaven's perspective in this hour. And I, I just want to remind you of a prophetic word that uh, David Wilkerson gave. And I shared this three or four weeks ago, but I'm staying in this vein. And uh, in this word, in 1986, this pastor had this vision uh, with the Lord. It was very vibrant, very powerful vision. And, uh, and this is what he said. And this is 1986. He said, I see a plague coming to the world. And the bars, the churches, and government will be shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it's never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of, the, of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep across America and unto the world. And, uh, and that, that, I believe, is the will of God. That is the heart of God, is to take what the enemy meant for bad and sweep a revival. This nation needs to turn back to God. The church needs to get like so totally in love with the Lord right now. I mean, this is all about a one-on-one -on -one yeah. relationship with the Lord. And, and uh, I'm going to pray uh, right now just for you all. And, and some of you out there, uh, I want to pray. I know Hope's got a cousin. Um, Hope has a cousin that is uh, needing prayer. And some others in our church, Jonathan Owen, is still praying for him. And so, Father, we thank you so much, God, 
Um, but you're here in the midst of the disruption, um, economic hurt and pain and uncertainty. Um, you're here. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And right now, I just want to declare your healing grace over Hope's cousin and the, and the comfort of the Lord as she lost her aunt and many others on this planet um, are going through times of grief. And we're just saying, God, let us weep with those who weep. And uh, we pray your comforting presence. Wherever there's fear and anxiety, we just introduce that fear to the love of the Father. The anxiety has to go. Fear has to go. I pray this over every heart and every mind this hearing today. I pray for economic provision. Clay prayed this earlier, but we pray that over Philip and, and Amy and uh, over missionaries who, you know, people are connected to in these food in Africa. God, you are able to do above and beyond all that we ask or thank you or waymaker when there seems to be no way. And so we just declare the King and your dominion. Come, Lord, show yourself strong because we are weak without you. So I just pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Jason and I have been stirred uh, by recollecting a revival that happened in Scotland in the 19th, late part of the 1940s and into 1950. And there's a, a YouTube video that is out right now, and it's talking about that outpouring of spirit that changed the nation the nation of Scotland, called the Hebrides Revival. And uh, the video, I'm not attached it to this, so you guys can watch it later, is actually talking about <clears throat> the fact that there was a woman who came to the United States whose aunts actually prayed and had a burden uh, to see Scotland saved, to see their church come on fire. Scotland at the time had young people who weren't going to church, and uh, they were burdened, an 82-year-old and 84-year-old sisters. One was blind, one had, uh, was crippled and couldn't get out of the house, so they actually built a prayer house in their house. And this is what God's wanting right now, is not just a Sunday morning prayer time, but houses all across America right now, praying into the move of God. That we're asking and God wants to release. These two ladies started praying, and they made it their pattern to pray Twice a week, starting at 10 o'clock, they'd pray till 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. I started reading about this, and I just, I just got totally gripped. Um, they went to the, their pastor and says, would you pray with us? We, are you right with God? <laughs> the first thing they did. I, I just love that. Are you right with God? If you are, will you pray with us? And uh, they end up building a prayer uh, time in a barn. Seven of them. The pastor with six of his elders and the two ladies prayed in their house across the town. And they just began knocking on heaven. They invaded heaven with their prayers. And God answered. He answered powerfully and poured out his spirit in the land. The one particular prayer meeting that I want to refer to happened in the barn. One of the young elders was there and he referred to Psalm 24. And he says, you know, it seems kind of crazy. I'm using my language. It seems kind of crazy that we're here praying and, uh, and that we're waiting on God if our hearts aren't right. And he turned to Psalm 24 and he says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? But those that have clean hands 
and a pure heart and has not turned their soul to another idols. And he just, he, this is what he did. According to the historical book, he said, he reached up his hands like this. He said, Lord, do I have a pure heart? Do I have clean hands? And, and that was all he could pray. He ended up falling on the floor in a total trance. The conviction of God came on the pastor and the other elders, and they fell on the floor. And at that moment, the power of God came into that city, and, and the awareness of the holiness of God, the bigness of God, came into that city. And it lasted for actually five years. The revival lasted for five years. One particular meeting was powerful, and uh, Duncan um, Campbell was the evangelist that actually came after the revival started. And he tells the story. I read it. Clay and I were reading it, just getting undone. But he tells the story. The first night he was there, they picked him up, and nine o'clock, they said, can you come and speak? We have a gathering already at the church, nine o'clock at night. So he came, he spoke for a couple hours, and he said it was a good meeting, nothing spectacular. And they prayed, but as they walked out of the church, people were coming from the houses. One particular party, dance party of youth, a hundred youth, were dancing. And the power of God came into their building that they were partying and dancing in, and they just, they got convicted that they needed to know God. And they came to the church, and outside of this church, the first night that Duncan was there, uh, 600 people are coming. And this is what happened, and that whole nation was changed. What's interesting is that the niece of those two women moved to America in 1937, but she still received the revelation of what was going on over there. And there was her cousin who was part of the revival. His name was Donald a young man who was undone by the presence of the Lord, he actually um, sent his Bible to his cousin. And his cousin had four children, and the fourth child was named Donald. And that Bible was given to Donald, who is the 45th president of the United States of America. And that Bible from the Hebrides, or Hebrides revival is in our White House right now. And, and that's not a political statement. That has nothing. I'm not here to say anything about Donald Trump. I'm not, that's not my point. My point is the Lord is saying there's a prophetic moment in America that a nation can be saved in a day if God's people will pray. Jason uh, just got undone by um, something in his life. And we're going to just, just kind of go back and forth, but... One of the things the Lord is doing, we stepped into this season with wild hope, you know, and I have wild hope. There's a whole bunch of people on my prayer list that I want to get saved. I want to see them saved. I have wild hope for the valley. I have wild hope for Alaska. I have wild hope for America and this world, that this is the beginning of a worldwide harvest. And, uh, and so we're releasing these words because we really want to step into what God is doing and calling us towards right now. So you're talking about the issue of, of faith and the challenge and out of, out of Zechariah. Why don't you share that? So a couple of weeks ago, I don't remember exactly when it actually was right around um, Easter week. The Lord started talking to me right before Easter. 
And uh, I was reading in Luke 1. I was actually reading about, started actually praying about the spirit of Elijah that was on John the Baptist. And, you know, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the righteous, disobedient to the righteousness of Christ, and prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. And I started thinking about that and praying that. And I started to just continue to read through Luke 1. It got to a point where I'm looking at Gabriel visits Zechariah, the high priest, and then Gabriel also visits Mary, the eventual mother of Jesus. Right. Same angel, same message that you're going to have a son, and a different response from both of them as hopefully you know the story. Mary says, be it unto me, right? And Zechariah, the high priest in that moment, what shows up is he goes, how's this going to work out? Give me a sign. How's this going to happen? And as I'm looking at the angel says, Zechariah, bless you. Your, your prayers have been answered. Yeah. And you would think at that, as I did a little reading to kind of backstory, the high priest that cast a lot. It was 20,000 priests estimated at that time. So this was his high moment of ministry. There was no word of the Lord for 400 years. He gets his, his, uh, his number, his ticket gets punched for his high moment in ministry. So I think about that. What would that look like for me? Preaching in a stadium full of people in Africa or someplace and giving a massive altar call and seeing people get saved. Whatever that would look like for you. Think about your high moment, your, your, your perfect high moment in ministry. What would that look like? And this was Zachariah's moment. Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, shows up and says, your prayers have been answered. And even to the point of the prayers that you don't even pray anymore. And what came out of his mouth in that moment, not thank you, God, breakthrough, it was, how's this going to work out? His unbelief and his hope deferred showed up in the high moment of his life. And I got so convicted at that particular moment of like, oh my gosh, we're praying for big prayers. We're praying for virus to end globally, locally right. and globally. We're praying for fear to end, to be vanished off the planet. We're praying for yeah. economic turnaround healing of people and families and systems yeah. and governments. We're praying for like massive prayers. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to be like Zachariah, praying for big things. And then when the answer comes, what flies up, what comes up out of me first is my hope deferred to my unbelief. And so yeah. I've been in a place of like, since that time, repenting, like, God, let that not be said of me. Because what ended up happening, because of his unbelief, the angel said, I'm going to shut your mouth until your son is born. Yeah, And that even began to continue to rock my world because we are kings and priests on this earth. Right, We have just stepped into, if you follow the Hebraic calendar, we turned into the Hebraic decade. 5780 is, 5780 is the decade of the mouth. Right, And so what happens is that unbelief closes our mouth. And so as I've had to, I've had to find my own self challenge of like closing my mouth in a place of prayer closing my mouth in the, in the place of sharing the gospel. Do I believe? I've got people in my life that I pray for and actively witness to that haven't gotten saved yet and has hope deferred settled into my heart. I find yeah. that, you know, we're in this 50-day window between Easter and Pentecost. Right. I can feel apathy at my door. I can feel lethargy at my door to just take my foot off the gas and just kind of expect things to work out. And I don't want, like, we're praying for big things. I don't, for me personally, whatever yeah. that looks like for you, like, take that before the Lord. I have come into a time of repentance of, like, Lord, I don't want my unbelief of the things that I've been contending for. I've been contending for revival. 
seeing what happened in the Hebrides and in Wales, other places, bars closed, massive salvations, healings in families, like what has happened other places, Azusa Street. We're contending for the same thing again. And when the Lord starts to move, I don't want to be surprised by the answer to my own prayer. Yeah. And unbelief, hope deferred. Yeah. I know I think big. If you know anything about me, I'm sitting next to someone that thinks big and dreams big. And I realize that in that place of delay and prayer not being answered, I've opened the back door to hope deferred and unbelief. Yeah. And I'm saying, Lord, let that not be said of me. Let that not be said of us in this generation, that yeah. we be a people that are, that are full of wild hope. Come on. And Come faith on. and hope and love. Come and on. We're not surprised by the answers to our own prayers. Yeah. Come on. That's so good. Just take a moment. Let's pray. Just pray over yeah. us that unbelief would have no place to land in any of us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the dream, the dreams of your heart. Just like Zechariah and Elizabeth, they wanted a son, but you wanted a voice in the earth. You wanted a voice, a forerunner before Jesus, a voice in the wilderness that would be crying out to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and to the disobedient, the, the disobedient unto the wisdom of the righteous and to prepare a people. So I thank you that even now that the spirit of Elijah would be released upon the church. But I'm asking for myself, for my friends, for my family, every area where there's been hope deferred, or unbelief because of the delay in answer, because of the delay in looking in the natural, not yeah. seeing things move in the natural. I'm asking that you give us eternal sight to see what you're doing and what you're up to, and that your heart is for people, that true riches is for souls. Yeah. So I'm asking, Father, in this area, in this time that we're in, in my life, everything in me that, that hinders pure love with you, and your pure love in me for others through unbelief, I'm asking that you remove it. I repent for all hope deferred, yeah. for delayed answers. Even Dennis preached about this weeks ago about being a people that pray long and pray through and be persistent in a place of prayer. When answers don't come readily, let us be a people that have great patience and endurance. Yeah. And so I'm asking that you, in this time, supercharge our faith. Give us eternal eyes to see that we be a people of faith, hope, and love for the sake of your kingdom and your righteousness. Amen. And seeing salvation spring forth. Do something in me. Lord, let your love come fresh. Thank you, Lord. And all hope and deferred. Amen. Vanish in Jesus' yeah. name. Wild hope. Yeah. Wild hope. Yeah. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That's, that's one of the things the Lord is releasing to the church is think bigger, dream bigger. Um, I'm able to do above and beyond all that you could ask and think. That's a big deal right now. Second or Jeremiah 33.3, he says, Call unto me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you do not know, that you know not. And I want to just take a minute. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. And uh, we're just going to spend a little bit of time here recounting the story, because I do believe this is an Acts 4 moment. And in this chapter 4, I do believe there is a direction for us, um, four things that we need to really like lean into right at this moment. And uh, the story of Acts chapter 3, the account of Peter, is just such a phenomenal, fantastic illustration of what happens when a person gets empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Peter was the one that denied Jesus three times. He and all the disciples were afraid of the authorities in Jerusalem. They were hiding. And then Jesus shows up resurrected, but they're still not ready. So Jesus says, go and wait in Jerusalem. 
till Pentecost, till the power of God comes upon you. You receive power. You'll be my witnesses. And so the power of God comes on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And uh, we, Peter preaches this powerful prayer or sermon. 3,000 people are saved. And the thing you have to realize, it's very important, is these same streets of Jerusalem was the streets that the authorities had taken Jesus down with the cross on his back. These were the streets. They didn't go preach somewhere else like where they couldn't get in trouble. They went right out into those streets and began praising God. And Peter preaches this message. Then we're in Acts chapter 3. We see Peter and John walking toward the temple for prayer. And this beggar's on the side and set up for alms. And uh, he's hoping for money. And you guys know the story. Peter comes along with John and says, Silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. One of the things I want to point out, and this is a, this is a, a point of application for us in this moment. And I, and I hope you're hearing me. Marriages, husbands, wives, children, really, wherever you are, this is so important right now. Peter didn't say, look at me. He said, look at us. There is so much power in agreement. Where two are three. This is something the Lord's highlighting right now. The government of heaven is available where two or three will gather in my name. In Matthew 18, he says, when you come into agreement with two or three, ask whatever you wish and it shall be, it shall be done. And so Peter and John, they're walking in tandem. These two women in, in the Scottish revival plow heaven into heaven with prayer, in agreement. God, we can't let young people die. It was about souls. There's a whole bunch of young people that aren't going to church, don't know Jesus, and they're like plowing into heaven. Lord, two people in agreement. Here's something I'm going to say from your heart as, as a pastor. This is a season where we need to grab the hand of my spouse, our spouses, and start coming into agreement in prayer. Taking time, coming into agreement with prayer. If you're single, find a friend. You can do it over the phone. I was talking to Anita and Didi and uh, two amazing ladies filled with faith. Anita and Didi, I say to you, get on the phone. Maybe you're already doing this. I wouldn't be surprised if you aren't. And, and start praying, God, America needs a revival. This valley needs a revival. Souls need to get saved. People are dying without Christ. And this burden that the Lord's carrying for the, for the people of the planet right now needs to be deposited into us and, and that two or three. Because that's what the Lord's highlighting. It's not the big Sunday gatherings. We all want to go back there. We miss him. I miss hugging people. Uh, miss you guys. But that's not what he's highlighting. He's saying, learn this. Learn this. Two or three are gathered in my name. There the government of heaven is available to you guys. And so I just feel like this is a real key point of application right now for us as the church. Husband and wives, if, listen, if you've got some issues, take care of them. Take care of them. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. When people pray together, they become united. When they get their eyes on heaven's visions, they become united. Forgive one another. Get God's vision right now for your life, for your family if you need healing, we'll help you with that. Call Marla. <laughs> but 
But it's time to line up with what heaven's saying right now and, and pray together. It'll break the walls of darkness over this land, over this valley, over our lives. So this, young, this guy gets healed. Turn, turn to Acts chapter 4. And uh, we're going to take a look at a few. Clay already jumped into it. We're going to land right where he prayed during transition. And, uh, and so if you look there, again, we see the boldness of Peter and John. He, Peter preaches again. 5,000 people get saved this time. And uh, they get arrested uh, by the authorities. And uh, the authorities don't know what to do because this guy had been lame since his mother's womb, 40 years old. He's healed. Miracle has happened. And the, and the authorities can't deny it. And people are getting saved, and they're going, this can't go on. And so they arrest him. And the high priest and Caiaphas, and they get together, and, and they're saying, in what authority, whose name are you doing this? And Peter says, it's the name of Jesus. This is such a beautiful, you guys, there is power in the name of Jesus. Jason, yes. there's power <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Of Jesus. I mean, there is power. There is authority. He's defeated the devil. There's a power in the name of Jesus. And uh, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, he basically uh, preaches another message. And the ones in authority, verse 13 says, Now as, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing that the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them, quit speaking about Jesus. Verse 19. This is Peter and John's response. He said to them, what is it right in this, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather, than to, um, rather to God, you be the judge. But we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. The authorities threatened them anyway, saying don't do it anymore. And so Peter and John leave. Jason, can I just say something to us? I think the Lord is saying to all of us, this is a season like, how can I say this? This is a season where we're not trying to save our lives. But we're making a decision to lose our lives for Christ's sake. That, that is the invitation that God is making to the church right now. This is not a season where we're grasping, trying to grab a hold of life. This is a season where we render our lives fully, 100% surrendered. Like Peter and John. They weren't afraid of dying. They were going to obey God no matter what. They had this boldness on them. And so they go to a prayer meeting, Acts chapter 2. I'm going to have Jason share something that, very powerful. They go to this prayer meeting and, and, and they come into one accord in verse 24 when John and Peter tell the rest of the 
followers of Christ, when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, verse 24, O Lord, it is you who have made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant. And then it goes into Acts chapter 2, quoting it. Why did the Gentiles rage? Listen, right now there's raging going on all across the earth. And the peoples devised futile things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Jason, you're just carrying this thing about Revelation of Acts chapter 2, but this is the season where we're to call upon the nations to be saved. Yeah, yeah talk about yeah, that. I, I believe we're in a Psalm 2 moment, just like the early church was. As we're reading about here, I just what I find am- amazing is that the, the religious sect here, they're, they're questioning Peter and James, but it was obvious to them that they began to understand that the effect Jesus had on these dudes simply by them spending time with Jesus. Yeah. About, I don't know, two months or so ago, the Lord started to speak to my wife, and I just want to back up for a second if that's mm-hmm. okay, and said, this is the time to buy oil. This is the time to buy louder. This is the time to buy oil. Have oil in your lamp. There's lots of voices in the earth right now. Between the media, even between the prophetic council, there's lots of voices. I mean, you're listening to us right now. And my prayer, what we've sensed as a family, as husband and wife, and my prayer is that the voice of the Holy Spirit would be the loudest thing that we hear right now. That we stay submerged in the presence and in the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then practically, what does that look like and what are we supposed to do for our family? Because spending time with Jesus is how we hold fast, right? Hold fast to wild hope. Even that hold fast as a nautical term was they would hold on to the rope of the sails and then with one hand and with the other hand they held on to each other, which I find fascinating. That we have one hand into heaven and one hand onto each other, riding, this, riding out these storms. These guys began to speak the word of God with boldness, coming from a place of intimacy with Jesus and a baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's been the two, two of the two things that I've been asking for. A fresh fire of love Come on. and a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit that makes these types of things possible, <sighs> for which there was no precedent. They were in uncharted waters, right? Their, their Messiah had just been ripped from their midst, and they were like, okay, what do we do? We're going we're gonna to ask for boldness. And so with the early church begins to quote Psalm 2, which I find amazing. They understood the times that they were in. And if, you, if you've got a Bible, if you look at Psalm 2, I believe we're in a Psalm 2 moment. I want to read this. Psalm 2, David, right, was prophesying about the coming Messiah and his throne. He said, how dare the nations plan a rebellion and their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king, saying, let's come together and break away from the creator once and for all, and let's cast off these controlling chains of God and of his Christ. Does that sound familiar? I think it's interesting to remember, like, think about the early church. It's no secret today that there's a globalist agenda in the earth that's definitely anti-Christ in nature. The early church was also under a globalist movement in the empire of Rome. Right. Their whole goal was to make the earth look like Rome and indoctrinate Rome. Right. So just think about that for a second. So what is, what is God's response to the power brokers of the world rising up to hold their summit? Psalm 2, verse 4, God enthroned merely laughs at them. 
the sovereign one mocks at their madness. Mm. Then with the fierceness of his fiery anger, he settles the issue and terrifies them to death with these words, quote, I myself have poured out my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I read that as, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I believe every force of darkness in the earth, sin, sickness, death, whatever it happens to look like, is terrified by the words of our Heavenly Father. This is my beloved Son, in whom I well please. And how is Jesus manifested in the earth? Through us, through the church. Then, what does the Son say? Psalm 2. I'm here to reveal the eternal purposes of God. Because the Father has said over me, you're my Son. And as your Father, I've crowned you as my King, and today I've become your Father. Then what does Jesus say here? He says, because the Father has tell, tells him, ask me, the Father tells the Son, ask me to give you the nations, and I will do it for your inheritance, and they'll become your legacy. Your domain will stretch out to the ends of the, thir- and the or end of the earth, and you'll shepherd them with unlimited authority, crushing their rebellion as an iron rod smashes jars of clay. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding right now saying father the nations are mine they are my inheritance i paid for them with my body and my blood give me my inheritance in the nations haggai 2 says that the desired of the nations will come haggai 2 6 through 9 3 in the shaking right that they that the silver and the gold are his and that jesus comes so jesus is a desire of the nations and that he is praying for the nations how does he inherit the nations through us who believe. Yeah, right through now. Through us that show up. And so I believe that as the early church we're reading about was in a Psalm 2 moment, so are we right now in the yeah. earth. Yeah, we really are. Um, in this moment, there is so much shaking going on. And I, I know that I have been distracted. In fact, uh, Friday morning, I was with the Lord. And, you know, I've been, you know, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And, um, you know, the global conspiracy type thing and, one world government, all that that's part of the narrative right now. And, and the Lord just really, like, I think he spoke to Jason about this too. He says, quit getting your inspiration from the news or even your confusion from the news. Get your uh, inspiration from heaven. Get your eyes up here. Get your eyes off of the natural. Clue in to what I'm doing and what I'm saying and one of the things that happened to me on Friday morning is I, after reading about the Hebrides revival and that young man who said, he said, God, only those who have clean hands and a pure heart are able to come into the holy place with the Lord and intercede. And, and I was in that place. I said, Lord, and uh, the Lord spoke to me about something in my life that I had in my journal. It's in my journal. I'll tell you what it was. At night, I had the privilege of introducing Bill Johnson um, to Alaska. Uh, Pat, Pat Donaldson gave me that privilege. And, and as I was thinking about how I was doing it, I, I recognized something inside of me wanted to do a good job, not for any other reason that to find I gained respect with Bill Johnson. And I was in that place, and, and the Holy Spirit just convicted me and says, is this about you? Or is this about me? And in my journal, I wrote down, Lord, I do not want to live my life so that I am known and respected by men. I want, and I wrote after that, Lord, I want to live my life 
so that Jesus is known and respected by men. And, and the Lord is inviting us into this place of purifying our ambitions, purifying our vision, purifying our goal. And it's a tension because you don't have to be, everything's not going to be right in our lives before we can start praying, right? Yeah. We've been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. But at the same time, we're taking our hearts to the Lord and say, God, make me like your son right now. Make me like your son. And if you're watching this, we're going to go to four main points that we're asking of the church to finish this out. But if you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, we're talking about Jesus and, and uh, a lot here. Um, because he is the Lord of heaven and earth. And, and we went right past verse 12 of Acts chapter 4. We were going to have it on the screen, um, but we don't have the screen, so I'm just going to recite it to you. It says, um, there is salvation in no one else. I just want to say it again. Peter said, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Your good works won't save you. Your parents' good works won't save you. Mohammed won't save you. Buddha won't save you. There is only one qualified, the one who went to the cross because he loves you. He took upon you the penalty of all the things you've done wrong. Beautiful, beautiful truth. On his body, he took that penalty so you could have what he deserved, which is eternal life. And I'm just going to tell you, frankly, right now, there's two kind of people on the earth. There's those who have trusted in Christ and have heaven promised, and those who have not and risk living forever apart from God in a place called hell. That is what Jesus taught. It's why he died. He didn't want anybody to go there. He wants everybody to live eternally with him. He loves people. He loves you. He loves this world. And one of the things the Lord is impressing upon me is we as the church have got to receive his burden for the lost around us right now. We have to receive his burden like those two ladies, for the lost right now. That we live our lives, not that we would be known and respected, but that we would live our lives, that Jesus would be known and he would be respected. And if you're here, you can, you can invite Christ Jesus to come into your life just by acknowledging that he died on the cross for your sins and you needed him to do that. So you could be forgiven and reconciled to God. He rose again from the third day and actually is the Lord of heaven and earth. And, and you can trust him by just receiving, by praying the prayer, Lord, I receive the work of the cross for my life. Forgive me for my sins. I want to follow you. I want to live that you would be made known on the earth. I want to live for you. You have died for me. Help me to live for you. You can just pray a prayer like that. If it's Heartfelt, it doesn't matter the words. <laughs> it really doesn't. It's just an acknowledgement that you need him to save you from your sins. And so I invite you, even now, Father, I thank you for every person's watching. If there's anybody's watching right now that have, does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that even right now they would choose to make that their decision and their lifestyle to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. All across the planet, you're drawing people into your eternal family right now, Father. Let some today be drawn in.
In Jesus' name. I just want to finish up with application for the church. Northgate, four points is found in this prayer that Clay had prayed earlier in Acts 4.29. Peter and John says, Now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. I, I think it's kind of cool to notice that what got them in trouble? They spoke the word with all confidence, boldly. And they're saying, Lord, let us keep doing that. So I, yeah, if that thing that, keep, that makes us annoying to authorities, yeah, more of that. That that got us in trouble, more of that. More of that boldness. And so he says, let us speak with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal. Signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Here, here are the four points that we need to step into. This is Act 4 moment. This is a Psalm 2 moment. Yeah. Number one, find somebody to come in agreement and cry out to God for souls, for the valley, for this nation, for our planet. Just stay in that place. Lord, you said, ask and you give Jesus the nations. I'm standing in agreement right there, right now for America. Right now, we're praying. My wife, Brenda and I are going to pray this prayer every night this week. Lord, give us America for Jesus' sake. Give us America for Jesus' sake. Number one, find somebody, start praying together in agreement that God would move mightily. Number two, Loose your mouth to preach the gospel. Loose your mouth to proclaim Jesus as Lord. Loose your mouth to say he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. Loose your mouth to proclaim the gospel. That's number two. Number three is expect an anointing. Expect a power of God to back up your word with miracle signs and wonders. Pray for the sick. I was listening to um, John. No, um, I, I can't think of his name right now. I'm sorry. I was listening to a message, and he didn't used to believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. He's going to Asia. His family's moving over there to proclaim the gospel. And, uh, and he was, huh? Francis Chan. Francis Chan. Thank you. And anyway, I was listening to his message, and he says, I went over there and preached the gospel, and all of a sudden I'm praying for people, and everybody's getting healed. And like two years ago, I didn't even believe in it. We're moving into an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, church. Expect God to show up in power. And then the fourth thing, as you read in this passage, is supernatural generosity. The Lord says, Lord is loosing the church with generosity. And, and right here, the, the result of the outpouring of spirit was they were sharing that all things in common. They met each other's needs. This week, a whole bunch of you gave to Knick House. We we're sending money with Peter over to Rwanda Africans to feed them right now. But the Lord is loosing resources to the church to be supernaturally generous, not hoarding, giving. Giving, that's good. Giving. So those are the four yeah. points. Can you repeat those fast in case people are writing them down? The yeah. four points, repeat them quick, fast. Number one is to pray. Cry out to God with somebody. Pray. I mean, I'm talking every day. Find somebody, find a partner like those two women that changed the scape of, of Scotland. Yeah. Find somebody to declare the mercies of God over America, over Alaska, over a valley. 
Secondly, proclaim. Loose your tongue. Proclaim the good news of Jesus. Jesus. Proclaim the good news of Jesus. Three, expect healing, miracles, signs, and wonders. The Pentecost season is upon us. Come on. The outpouring season is upon us. And then fourth, step into supernatural generosity. The Lord is going to back up those who are givers, not hoarders. And so I just bless you. We're going to step into this thing, and the nation is going to be changed in a day. That's good. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Okay. Yeah, you know, I just want to... There's this song that's on my heart. I'm going to just sing it. Oh, Tanner's got a guitar. You want to come sing it? Okay. Yeah, come over. Come over. Jason? Yeah. Tanner's going to take your place. And um, I told Tanner we would do this, but give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Somebody can sing right and good. (laughs) Bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. Yeah, God. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Yeah, God. Yeah, God. And give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Yeah, Father, I just ask your grace, Lord, that we would not turn return to normal. At least not our old normal. Give us a grace, Father, for a new normal. A new Christianity, a renewed Christianity revived Christianity. I ask this in your precious name, Father, and I bless all of those who are watching with the peace of the Lord, the hope of the Lord, and the fire of God. In Jesus' name, amen.